what is the, the provision that God provided in the midst of the pain? And I found out on, uh, Angie actually told me this on Friday, but on Thursday something went really unexpected, and it blew up. And thankfully nobody died, but there was an explosion, and, and the people that were describing this explosion in space called it a, a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. I think I have that on the screen so we can see what that says. But a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. And I, I feel like, you know, that's just a, a silly way of describing something really bad that happened. There was, it happened quickly, it wasn't planned, and it fell apart. And, and I feel like that's how the story, really, of, of Naomi and her family happened. And we're going to see this today in, in, in Ruth chapter 1. So if you'd open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1 with me, we're going to be looking at this story of, of Naomi and Abimelech and their family and find out. And I hope that something like this hasn't ever happened to you, but we're going to see even in Scripture, when this happens, when this unscheduled, a rapid unscheduled disassembly, that God still uses this for His glory. All right, well, in the Ruth chapter 1, right away, it brings up this family. All right, so it's on the screen. Oh, maybe not. The first few verses are not on the screen, but it says in verse 1, that the days of the, of the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and so a man from Beth, Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. And the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And their names of the two sons were Mahlon and Kilian. And they were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab to live there. Now Abimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. And after they had lived about ten years, the sons both died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. So this is the background of this story. This is happening about the same time that the, the book of Judges is happening. And this is in the Old Testament. So Joshua uh, had conquered the land with uh, the promised land. The people of Israel were there living in the land. And they had this problem. This problem where in the whole book of Judges we see this pattern where, where the, the people are happy. They're worshiping God. But then they forget about God. And then bad things happen. And then when bad things are happening, they remember, oh wait, God is our Savior. We can trust God. And so they cry out to God and say, help us, save us. And God does. He, he rises up a, a judge and he brings salvation to them from their affliction. And, and then things are going well again. And then they forget about God and they go into this pattern. And so... During this time, there's this family. And, when the, and the way they deal with this famine that's happening, this famine that's happening in uh, Bethlehem, 
they think, well, we've got to survive the famine. There's no food here. So let's go to another place. Now, ironically, Bethlehem means house of bread. And there was a famine. So right away, you should see some irony here in the text that there was this famine in a place where it means house of bread. And what's also really interesting, too, is this family, they decided to step away from their community. They went to, to Moab. And to me and you, maybe that's like, what's the big deal? They just moved to another state, another country. Not, not that big a deal. Or maybe, maybe it is. But Moabites were known for their evil. And, and they, this family moved away from God's protection, moved away from God's community. And there, for those years, Naomi's husband died, and then her sons married women, and then both of the, her sons died. And so she's left with this, this rapid, unscheduled disassembly. She's, she goes there full. She goes there happy, looking for food. And, comes, and, and after years, it's all fallen apart. And so let's read this in verse 6. It says, When Naomi had heard, that, heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And so we see, so we see that God is faithful. Even though the famine had happened, the famine has ended. And he's, he's, bringing, he's providing for them again. He's providing food. And so Naomi and her daughters-in-law are getting ready to go back. Now, it says in verse 7, her two daughter-in-laws or with her two daughters, she left the place where they had been living, and they set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, and may the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that, you, that each of you would find rest in your home and of another husband. And she kissed them goodbye, and she went and she wept aloud and said to her, We will go back. We will go back with you, your people. And Naomi said, So, here's, so she's saying, you guys, you guys are young. You guys have lost your husbands. You're still, you still have time to go be blessed and, and find another husband. And so she says, Don't stay with me. Don't go with me. I'm just going back to my home. And so they, they said, we, we want, you know, we will go back with you and your people. We want to be there. But Naomi said in verse 10, or verse 11, it said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? And then she, and then she goes on to continuing to talk about this. Why would you come with me? I, I can't help you. I, I have no more sons. And then she says in, in verse 13, why would you remain unmarried even if I had kids again? And she said, No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And we'll stop there. Naomi had a lot of really good things happen in her life until she, they went to Moab. And she lost everybody that she loves. Her husband and her two sons, she lost them. 
And so she believes that God is against her. And now what's kind of neat is even though she thinks God's against her, she still, in verse 9, in verse 8 and 9, she still blesses these women and says, go on your way, go back. And she blesses them, saying, may the Lord show you kindness. And this, this word kindness is all, all through the Bible. It's translated in lots of different ways, but in, in Hebrew, the word is hesed. And hesed is this, this really important word. It can be translated loving kindness. It can be translated mercy. A, a, a loyal, loyalty or a loving commitment, a devotion. There's lots of ways of kind of describing this. And usually in the Old Testament, when you see different, some of these words I just said, it actually is referring back to hesed. And this is a word that was very debated even in seminary what it really means. Is it loving kindness? Is it mercy? Is it devotion? Is, you know, but this idea is all these things, really. And it's as best represented by the Lord God Almighty. And He has loyal, committed, loving kindness and mercy to His people and to, and to all of us. And so she's, Naomi's saying that she's trying to bless them and say, go on your way. But then she still, even though she's blessing them, she still lets them know that she's bitter. That she's not happy. You know, grief can lead to bitterness. And Naomi lost her family and she was bitter. She told these, these ladies that she was bitter and that God was against her. And I think sometimes... When things go wrong, when things go unplanned, unexpected, maybe we've had this rapid, unscheduled disassembly. Or maybe not. We start having bitterness. And I think it's good to admit where there's bitterness. You know, she told them that she was bitter. She wasn't hiding it from them. And I think we need to be honest when we're bitter. We need to be honest with ourselves, honest with others, and honest with God. You know, when we experience loss and disappointment, are we honest about our bitterness? You know, it's not just in these extreme cases of losing someone to death. I mean, it might be a loss of a, a job, a loss of a friendship, a loss of, of a relationship, someone moving away, some kind of loss. Maybe it's, a, it's a, a loss of something that's changed, something that is normal that's no longer, something that's, that's not comfortable. What do we do with this, these losses? What do we do when we're bitter, when we're upset? Do we hide it? I think sometimes. Everybody's different. Do we hide it? Do we bury it? Do we deny it? Do we talk to others about it? Now, I want to just say this. If, you, if we talk to others about it, let's, you know, when we're upset about something, when we're bitter, let's talk to the Lord first, right? Let's talk to the Lord first because He's the one that can handle it. He's the one that wants to hear from the depths of our hearts. He wants to know what's, 
And he does know, but he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to cry out to him. But not just to the Lord. We can, we can talk to each other and be honest with each other. Now, we have to be careful because when we're, sometimes when we're honest with each other, it can then start turning to other things. So if we're, if we're crying out and saying, I'm really, please pray for me. Please help me. Hold me accountable in this bitterness. Hold me accountable. Help me to keep my focus on, on the Lord. But what's not in the Bible, what's not scriptural, is just to talk about it and let it get worse and worse. Because bitterness can get out of control really easily. And especially when we, when we tell people about it, tell how we're upset about something, and then they agree with us. And then they maybe add to it. And before you know it, there's this big fire that's getting out of control. And a lot of gossip can happen. A lot of disunity, even in churches, can happen. And what do we do with this bitterness? Because bitterness doesn't work itself out. It doesn't work itself out on its own. It just gets worse and worse if we don't do something about it. And there's an example. Um, the women on Wednesday night were watching uh, this a video by a woman named Hosanna Wong, and I just wanted to show you a little piece of that. Well, she had some good things to say. <laughs> and um, I recommend, if you hadn't seen that video, um, it's on Right Now Media, and it's under the IF Gathering from 2022. Um, and if you're not familiar with Right Now Media, please uh, ask someone how you can sign up. It's on our website, eastbend.org. Uh, it's a free gift to you. Please use it. Um, there's lots of great, lots of great video content on there. Anyways, what she was talking about how bitterness can, can really destroy. He loves it when children of God tear apart other children of God so we can implode God's church from the inside out and the enemy can just kick off his shoes and take a day off. He loves it when brothers are against brothers and sisters are against sisters. He loves it when we tear other people down, when we gossip, when we're trying to create groups that are against other people that we don't like as much. Friend, don't help the enemy with his agenda. Don't divide. Don't tear down. Don't gossip. Instead, Speak life. Instead, fight to reconcile. Instead of fighting against people, fight for people. Build up. With all the power that you have, do your best to unify. It is through a unified community of believers that the world is going to know who Jesus is and how loved they are. Don't help the enemy with his agenda because there's a watching world who will see it. There's our kids who will see it and decades later talk about it. There's another generation coming who's wondering, how do I be a Christ follower in today's day and age? How do I be a part of the church in today's day and age? A watching world needs to see it. Just because we've seen it done wrong doesn't mean we can't be the ones to do it right. Thank you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that worked. Uh, she was talking about the first part, how we need, you know, when, when we are doing some of these things, when we are being bitter and when we are being uh, gossiping, when we are saying things, hurting others, and, and the, the church fights, 
When that happens, she says, we're doing the devil's work. So she says, let's not do the devil's work. Let's put aside all of that. Let's fight for, for reconciliation. Let's build each other up. Let's, let's be united. Let's let the watching world see Jesus in us, even in the way that we're hurt or bitter or disappointed. Let's bring those things to the Lord. You know, sometimes we've heard this, but we think bitterness actually is going to be helpful, but it's like drinking poison and, and thinking someone else is going to be hurt by it. But bitterness only makes it worse for us and then others. You know, but it's, bitterness is one of those things that it's not obvious. It's, it's something that sometimes is just really hidden. We can keep this hidden, and, but it still greatly affects our relationship, especially to the Lord. So I want to encourage all of us, when we have loss, when we are disappointed, when we are bitter, to go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. He can handle it. You know, whether in a marriage, in a friendship, in a relationship, it takes trust to express bitterness. But if we don't express that bitterness, it's, it's not going to work itself out. So let's go to the Lord. Let's go to a trusted friends. Because it's not going to get better on its own. You know, and that's one of the things about, that we've been talking about this, this uh, brain-heart world. You know, there's this hidden sin that, that affects many people. And it, not just our youth, but adults too. And this hidden sin is just becoming more and more available and more and more devastating. And so I ask you, even if you're not coming tonight or Wednesday night or the, for the documentary nights, please be praying. Please be praying because... We are desiring for healing. We're desiring for, for God to work. For God to break the chains of pornography and addiction. We're, we, we're praying that this is a safe place where we can talk. A safe place where we can learn. But we pray that, that it's, it's not about what we are doing. It's about what the people are honest with the Lord about this. And that we're not hiding in the, in, behind our sins. So it's, when we experience loss, we need to be going to God, going to others, and even being honest with ourselves. Let's, let's go back to this text in, in, first, in, uh, in the first chapter of Ruth. So she says that the, the Lord's hand is against me. And then in verse 14, something kind of crazy happens. So she's telling these two women, go live your life. Don't worry about me. Go find rest with another husband. Go enjoy the rest of your life. And she's blessing them. And, you know, they, they did say, no, we, we want to go with you. And she said, no, again, return home. And over and over and over, she's saying, go home. And at this point, they wept aloud. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Now this is shocking. 
It says Ruth clung to her. Ruth, if you look up this word, it's really this, this idea of cleaving, abiding. Ruth does something that's unexpected. She wants to stick with her mother-in-law. Not her mom, but her mother-in-law. Even though everyone else doesn't expect it. And so Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And then she declares, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you, where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. This is shocking. This, this character of Ruth, we don't know anything about her until about right now. This is, a, this is supposed to, again, be ironic. To the, the writer of, of Ruth is saying something like, can you imagine this, this Moabite woman? That, that she's imitating God's character better than one of God's people. She's the one that's saying, I'm staying with you. I'm being loyal to you. I'm going to go there and be in poverty with you. Wherever, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you believe, I'm going to believe. And even though, they, I mean, Naomi said, go, wherever, go back to your gods. I mean, Ruth worshipped other gods. She didn't even worship the one true God. But she does declare here, she says, she does say that your God will be my God. And then she says, may the Lord deal with me. She doesn't say may God, may a God. She says may the Lord, and she uses his name. She uses his name here, the Lord. And so she knows, she recognizes, she's been around Naomi. She knows that Naomi has, that believes in the one true God. And what's really cool is that the Lord provided Ruth as a faithful companion to Naomi. Because Naomi had grief. Naomi had bitterness. And what Naomi wanted was to bring back her family, and she couldn't do that. But the Lord provided family for her, a faithful companion when she was still in grief and bitterness. And even though she was alone, and even though she was sad, God provided for her. An unexpected family of Ruth. And Ruth is proof that God has not abandoned Naomi. Because she, Naomi has thought, I'm bitter and God is against me. But God does not forsake us. God does not abandon. And he sees her in her grief. And he knows all about her bitterness. And he provides for her in the midst of her pain. So the Lord provided Ruth as this faithful companion to Naomi in her grief to be her family, and to comfort her. You know, when we experience loss and disappointments, God provides for us in the midst of those times of pain, of bitterness, of trials. Maybe we don't always see it. Naomi didn't see it right away. 
But God provides for us. In fact, Naomi still didn't see it. In verse 20, or 19, it says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred up because of them. And the women explained, Can this be Naomi? I mean, we haven't seen her in so long. Can this be her? And so she says, Hey guys, everybody listen. Don't call me Naomi. She says, Call me Mara. And Mara means bitter. So she says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant or lovely. I'm not pleasant. I'm not lovely right now. I'm bitter. So she's, she's honest with her people. And she says, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, she says, but the Lord has brought me back empty. That's a big statement right there. She went away full. She left full of of joy, being independent with her family, satisfied. Now, looking for food, so not satisfied in food yet, but when she returned years later, she's empty. She's dependent. She is bitter. So she says, why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now how different that looked when they, in the beginning of this chapter to the end of this chapter. Because at the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of this story, it talks about how there's a famine in the land. And, when the, and so they left, this family left to live in the country of Moab. And now at the end of this chapter it says, and Naomi returned. Not the whole family, just Naomi returned. And she brought back with her Ruth, this Moabite, this woman that people were like, who is she? She's not one of us. It doesn't say that. But you can imagine, why is she bringing back a Moabite. And when, she ret- when they arrived in Bethlehem, the barley harvest was beginning. There was a famine when they left, and there's a harvest when they're returning. The Lord provided for Naomi, not just this, this friend of Naomi, not just this friend, this companion, but now he's providing for her abundantly, even in her need. And we're going to see in the rest of this book how God continues to provide But God provides for us. You know, even in our bitterness, even in our pain, even in our our loss, even in our sin, God provides salvation through Jesus Christ. He is an amazing God. He provides everything we need and so much more. There's a song by City of Light that says, What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for you are by my side, the Savior, and He will stay. I labor in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. When we trust in Jesus, He gives us joy. 
He gives us peace, boundless peace, and steadfast love, this hesed love, this faithful love. And in our need, Jesus' power is displayed. So the Lord provides for us in the midst of our need. Naomi was bitter, but she prayed this blessing for Ruth, and she didn't even realize this blessing was going to be back to her. Or maybe we're, we're so focused that we miss the incredible gifts that God is pouring out right in front of our eyes. Naomi didn't even realize what was happening right in front of her eyes, but maybe we're, we're missing it because of our bitterness. But Jesus provides this blessing, a blessing of, of community, a blessing of people to be with us, a people to stand with us, to encourage us. And so, what would, be, what would it look like for you, for me, to think about this, this bitterness that maybe we're experiencing, or maybe we have experienced, or when bitterness, grief happens. What would it look like for you to be honest, for you to bring those things to the Lord and to others for healing? What would it look like for you to be the Ruth to someone else, to be the friend, to be committed in sacrifice, serving people, showing unfailing, loving kindness, this hesed kind of love. God works behind the scenes. Naomi didn't even know what, was, what God was up to. She thought God was against her. And not that Ruth can bring back her, Naomi's family, but she has something that God has provided for her. And God takes our bitterness and he can turn that to blessing when we bring it to him. So I want, I want us to each think about this. What, what kind of bitterness maybe do we have? What do we need to be bringing to the Lord, talking to the Lord about? I know it's a lot easier to talk to other people about it, but let's bring that to the Lord. And let's talk to others and ask them to hold us accountable. Not to be negative about things, but to be using each other to help bring the Lord's will. Using, like what Hosanna said, fighting to reconcile. Building up in unity. Letting people see that even when we're hurt, even when we're sad, that Jesus is all that we need. And Jesus fills us. And even though Naomi here was, was returning empty, she was returning with a dependency on the Lord. So where might you be missing the provision of Christ? You know, we, we all go through loss, we all go through grief, we all go through pain, but there is provision even amongst the pain. And even if we've had a rapid unscheduled disassembly, God is faithful. And God is the provision. He provides Jesus Christ and that Jesus is all we need. We're going to sing nothing but the blood because that all that matters is Jesus Christ. And if we cling to Jesus, 
That's what we need. That's all we... That's where the joy is. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you that even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of heartbreak or grief, bitterness, Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are faithful in this, in this uh, chapter of Ruth 1 that we saw and you are faithful to Naomi. God, I pray that we would be encouraged and know that you are with us and know that you died for us even in our sin. Lord, I pray that we would cling to you, that we would find satisfaction in your abundant love and your grace and that we would cling to you, Jesus. That we would be fighting for reconciliation. That we would be building each other up. That we would be unified in you, Jesus. In your name, amen.